Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that best works for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Welcome to week two of our 30-day church challenge. Please open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. And we've learned last week that challenges are a good thing. Last week, we started our 30-day church challenge, and we committed to doing it together for five weeks. I asked you to commit to attending the worship service each week. And do it. That's just three more left, three more weeks. I ask you also to read the short devotion from the 30-day church challenge book. And it's in the bookshop. If you don't have one, get one. Each day of the week is in reference to what I preached to you on the Sunday before. So you're really ready. And then I said, please get into a small connection group if you're not already in one. And you can do it now by going online. Find a zip code near you. By the way, this was the first time out of all the connection groups all over town, every one of them had people in them. First time ever. Usually there's one or two. Nobody came. But everybody showed up, so boy, do I salute you and appreciate it. Now, the objective of our 30-day challenge is to discover the five purposes of the church. And we're learning we can take big steps towards God-given potential, strengthening our relationship with God and with one another. And we agreed at the end of 30 days, we want a bit of transformation in our thinking about church so that we view it not as a place just to come to, but as a vibrant family to belong to. We are family. Yeah, well, we are. There are only two institutions in the Bible, and God founded both of them. First one was the family. The second one, the church. And they're both families. One's a natural, one's a spiritual. That's it. He didn't found any other institutions, and you are part of a spiritual family here at Summit or wherever you may be uh, connected and worship. So we want to become the church, and we said that's a community of faith, powerful, inspirational, and transformational, touching our community and the world with good news. That's the vision we have for the next 30 days, and hopefully thereafter. So every week I'm issuing a weekly challenge related to the five purposes of the church. Last week we talked about the power and importance of community, getting together connecting. And we looked at the importance of being part of a community of faith where you can experience encouragement and support. It's kind of like you develop a band of brothers. You don't become a band of brothers in combat unless you did your basic training together, your deployment together, and you faced hardship. And everybody, regardless of their race in that uh, combat squad, became so knitted together it was one for all, all for one. If if somebody's hurt, they're going to risk their life to get them. It's a band of brothers, and that's what a real family connection is. If you show up Christmas and Easter, you're just, you're not a band of anything, okay? You're just a tumbleweed. But to build a band of brothers, you got to, you got to get in close proximity, touch and feel, and be with people for some time. 
You know, social media, you can connect casually with casual people, but to develop intimate friendships, it takes a whole lot of work and time. You got to get some time together to build that bond of friendship. You just can't do it sitting in a big old place separated from everybody else. So the weekly challenge issued last week was to join a small group where you can know and be known, where you can love and be loved, and where you can serve and be served. People know how, what you're going through. One of the kids is having problems. Uh, Joe's home sick with a fever. Let's pray for him. Now, you can do that in a small group versus here. That's just difficult, if not impossible, to get done. Well, people will help and he'll rally to you, and the best way to do it is to get connected with people. So, Psalms 19 says, he who isolates himself, some of you Texans, he who isolates himself, the Lone Star State, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. Be aware. Don't they teach you to look out for your kids if they stay in their room and they're loners? Isn't that what causes a lot of, of uh, trouble and crime and shooting? Oh, he was a loner, the Unabomber, lived in a 10 by 10 wood shack in the woods with no electricity. He's dangerous. If you're living in the woods with no electricity in a wood shack, you are dangerous. Well, that's right. And so God says, God sets the solitary in a family. So God's a family man. He wants you connected. He wants you connected because you bring something to the table and other people bring something to you. And so it's a good. You, you get together, iron sharpens iron. Uh, you get a little wisdom. You get grace. You get help. Maybe some advice you need. Maybe somebody in that group's going through something you're going through and they've made it through. And what they say to you gives life to you. Well, you'll never know that being alone. You know, you'll be singing like the, the back in the old days of the guitar. What, what was it that they'd all sit on a haystack and what kind of music was that? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible, Jim said. Yeah, well, I'm an old rock and roll guy, so you're, you're right. The, the, uh, hootenanny, hootenanny stuff, yeah. That's the kind of come by y'all stuff. Nobody under 50, everybody over knows what that is. So, I started singing you a song, but now you've embarrassed me. I ain't going to sing. I was going to do a little. Uh, well, will he ever return? No, he'll never return. And his fate is still unknown. He may ride for, he may ride forever neath the streets of Boston. He's the man who'll never return. Charlie handed in his ticket. That's it's amazing what's inside of me, I know. <laughs> so now we're going to take a new challenge, and this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is our foundation passage for uh, the 30 days where we find the five purposes of the church. And while you're turning there, we said last week, years ago, people who developed wilderness stress programs discovered that when people were put in challenging situations, adventurous situations, they gained confidence. They increased their personal capabilities. They found out they could take more than they thought. They could do more than they thought they could. And they deepened their compassion for others around them and bonded together. So the challenge actually made them bigger, better, stronger, and more confident. You need challenge in your life because that's how you grow. 
So we've entered this challenge together to increase our confidence, our capabilities, our compassion, and our bonding. So here we go, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's God's Word, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, that's communion, and prayer. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to help those who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So members of the first church devoted themselves to God's Word, the apostles' teaching, to communion, to prayer, and as a result, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were having a good time together. Have a good time at church. It's not all solemn. It's not all quiet. Uh, if you read the Bible, it's a pretty noisy place. Even heaven is the sound of thunderous waters, you know? So if you're, you know, if you if you're dead, I guess it's okay to be quiet, but I, I'm not dead, you know, and, and heaven's for dead people, so I'm not looking to get in that next load. I hope you're not either. I, I got a lot of life left in me. I want to talk about the power of worship. This was the second of five purposes of the church. What is it, and why is it so important? And I may surprise you with what I'm going to say, because automatically, 90% of you think when I say worship, it's just what the, the, the praise team's doing up on stage, or we're holding up our hands going, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, no, no. That's just one form. So I'll show you something that'll help all of us a little bit if you'll hang on. Revelation 4 is a scene from heaven. And it's from a day when God's people and other members of His creation come into God's presence. Now, you know how exciting it can be to walk in a room when a famous celebrity comes in. Like if I had Bear Grylls with me today, all the guys could be excited. We'd probably be having, I don't know, uh, ox goat ovaries or something for lunch uh, roasted on a fire. Y'all know who Bear Grylls is? Oh, come on, yeah, he's the outdoor guy that eats stuff you wouldn't walk on, right? I love him, man. I'd love for him to show up. Or if we had uh, Peyton Manning or Dak Prescott show up, or Beyonce, I said, was visiting in a service today, or, or somebody, everybody, ooh, 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 there, all of a sudden there's a little awe and a little bit of uh, a buzz in the room. So here's heaven in the presence of God, and everybody's near him, and here's what happens, verse 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created everything, and by Your will they all were created and have their being. So they're praising God because He created everything that is, and He keeps everything going, and I'm glad that He does. Now flip forward to Revelation 7, verse 9. Here's another mass worship scene in heaven. 
After this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, in every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's Jesus. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, nothing quiet, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So people from everywhere, every nation, every language are praising God because He saved them. And the angels are chiming in and say that apart from everything else God has done, He deserves praise just for who He is because He's all-wise, all-powerful, omnipotent, and eternal. Well, that brings us to our thought today. That means the truth about every human created being is that we're all wired for worship. We are. Worship, I need my iPhone, Benny, again, forgive me. Worship is important because we're made to give glory to our Maker. Uh, thanks, Benny. I, Benny gave me my iPhone. I, I live with this thing. I take it everywhere I go. I make phone calls. I text with it. I check emails. I pull up weather radar. I use it as a GPS. I track flights. I, I talk to my friend Siri. I ask her to get me help that I need and information. And she, it's just downright astounding, isn't it? I mean, how many of you remember with me party lines, phone lines, party lines? and dial tones. Everybody, everybody under 25 never even heard a dial tone. Do you realize that? And so you can do everything in the world on this little, you can, I can speak in English and it'll translate it into a foreign language for me. It's just incredible, little piece of equipment. Okay, here's my point. What's your point, Rick? Every time this iPhone performs a task, it reflects well on Steve Jobs and the Apple employees who made it. Well, you would agree, wouldn't you? That darn thing reflects well on its creator. And that's what great creations do. They reflect well on their maker. So how are you doing? See? And that's what worship is, reflecting well or giving glory to the one who made you and on occasion gathering with others to acknowledge your gratitude for being made in His image and likeness and being provided for. So the Bible's opening chapter in Genesis, God saw all that He made. It was very good. When God made you, He made a good thing. Don't you get in the mirror and deny what God has said about you. I don't care what others say about you. He made a good thing when He made you. So very good things give glory to the one who made them. They can't help it. Like a cell phone is wired for communication, we are wired for worship. But the God who made us would like our worship to go a little bit deeper than just giving Him glory by whatever we do. He asks us to give Him glory by getting together with members of His family on a regular basis. This today is a form of worship. Now, worship is a word we use all the time, like, he worships the ground she walks on. Oh, Ed, he worships that car. 
somebody else worships money. Somebody else worships. See, everybody in this room is a worshiper. You worship something. If it ain't but yourself, you worship something. And God says, you have the capacity to be a worshiper for me, to bring me glory by what I've made you to do and who I've made you to, to be. So in Hebrews 10, you find a verse that kind of competes with our busy American culture. You know, our weekend little league soccer moms and teams for kids, weekend trips to the beach and mountains or river for adults, and this is spring break. Now, all that stuff is good, but if it gets out of balance where there's no room for our worship with the one who made us, now it's out of balance. So in Hebrews 10, verse 24, he says, let us consider how we may provoke one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up or forsake the meeting of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, and the day refers to Christ's return. The Bible says it's good for us to meet together so that we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. So that's the purpose of my speaking every single weekend, so that we can do better in life and spur each other on to good works and let it become a habit. And we're to do it every week. The second reason worship is important is because God wants us to get together regularly and weekly. We need to meet when we're here because we grow and we give God glory. When we're not here, we're missed. I miss my friends that I connect with when I don't see them. Well, some people see me on live stream. Well, we watch on live stream, Rick. Okay, good. When you die, I'll do your funeral live stream. <laughs> When you want to get married, I'll do it on live stream. When you're in the hospital, we'll visit you on live stream. See how you like it. A live stream is good. If you're on vacation, are you sick? Or you had a, one of the kids you had to stay home with? Of course it is. But you can't build community on live stream. And everybody on Facebook ain't your friend. You got to connect with people. You get in trouble, you'll find out real quick who your friends are, right? I think it was Oprah Winfrey who said, everybody will ride with you in the limousine, but your real friend will ride with you when you have to take the bus. Yeah, we'll see. Your crowd not near as big as you. Well, I got 20,000 friends. No, you don't. You'd be lucky you got three, really. That's a real fact. So I hope that makes sense to you. So the Bible describes a lot of positive habits that help us give God glory. Weekly worship, in my opinion, is the foundation habit that will help you more than any one thing. And you make a priority, as you did today, by being here to start the new week. Your success begins on Sunday. You're here to kick off a brand new week. Now watch. Our lives are nonstop blitzes of messages and input from books, magazines, television, and radio, from our iPods we're listening to, uh, exercising, working out in the yard. We've got something in our ear. People are always listening to something, and all of those inputs are telling us something about life. Watching WWF SmackDown and Survivor communicates a certain way to win. The Real Housewives of New Jersey and the Kardashians tell us how they think and how they think we should dress or how we should talk or how we should behave and treat others. 
And even though we might not agree with what they say or how they might act, that video recorder of our memory is always running, always storing what we see and what we hear. So these inputs have some influence on all of us. In the 1970s, the average American experienced 500 ads per day coming in the eye gate or the ear gate, billboards, magazine, radio, television. Now you jump that up to now, from 500 in 1970 to today, and now it's over 5,000 ads per day that are going into your ears and your eye, telling us, buy me, try me, taste me, wear me, drive me, put me in your hair, smell me, snort with me, swipe right, have sex with me. That's, uh, for you older people, that's uh, Tinder and other websites where they don't tell you anything about the person, they just show you a piece of meat there. Oh, he's a hunk of hunk of burning love. Oh, she's a hot swipe right. Now, if you don't remember anything, you're going to go home, you're going to remember that. Rick's, Rick said swipe right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It goes on all the time. You're not, you're just not with it if you don't drive this, if you don't own that. You've got to have this perfume. Everybody will jump out of the car, run to you if you wear this, or jump in bed if you wear this. And if you get the latest and the greatest cell phone, then in six months they've already got it planned. This thing sucks. It's a piece of trash. It's no good. Now you've got to get the best one. You know, I mean, you, you can get in contact with lost relatives. It's just crazy stuff. Well, I've got to have the upgrade. I've got to have the latest model. And you get the newest car with all the whistles on it, and then they got it figured in Detroit. Now yours is a piece of junk. We won't give you $10,000 for that $50,000 car. You're lucky you got it onto the parking lot here. Now, you got to drive this one. This is the latest and greatest. Does that go on every stinking day? It goes on every day. I hear it. You hear it. And if you're not careful, it affects the way you think and the way you feel, right? So how do you get that corrected? That causes your vision, your perspective of life to get slightly disoriented. Now, for the younger generation, you may not understand this, but back in my generation, we had something called records. They were round, and they had a hole in them. About every 1,000 records that were produced and printed, one would be slightly off-center. You couldn't, with the eye, you couldn't see it. But when you played it, it didn't play right. It was off-center. So what happens is all week, you're getting blitzed with everything, and you get slightly off-center, and your life doesn't play right. It's not totally warped. It's just not playing right because it's off-center. So you get back in here, and you find out you're not the center of the universe. The world doesn't revolve around you. God loves everybody. God has value and purpose for everybody. It's not just about you. That's why you come together. I want to get washed a little bit. I need to get retweaked so that I'm back focused, ready to embrace the week, and I'm going to be able to give glory to God and worship God with what He made me to be and what He made me to do. I'm going to keep my focus centered 
when I get together on the weekend. I've had people tell me I haven't seen them in six months, and they said, man, I needed that. That really helped me. And I thought, you need this every week. You need to get recentered every week. That's why your marriage is a wreck, your business is a wreck, and your life is a wreck. You can't, you know, be like, well, I take a bath once every quarter. You stink. And motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does taking a bath. That's why we do it every day. So I gotta, I gotta get. I'm getting. I'm washing myself when I'm do when I'm preparing this and writing this and then getting it on the iPad. I, then I'm preaching. I'm getting d- triple washed here. Yeah, I've I've walked in discouraged and encouraged myself from God's word that I'm preaching to you. I walk off thinking, man, I'm gonna live and not die. Good things are gonna happen. And if I need it, I know some of you need it, and you need it bad. And you need it every week. So the answer for that is, what's going to make me happy over the long time? See, it's, it's not the to- who has the most toys when they die wins. No, 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 no. You know, what you buy, taste, wear, or drive isn't going to make you happy over the long haul. You, you ask a drug addict, he takes a shot, whoo, he gets a good buzz, and then he, for a while his body acclimates to it, then he has to have double shots, and then it keeps going until he destroys himself. He doesn't intend to destroy himself, but it doesn't satisfy. You need a bigger kick, more stimulation. That didn't do it, so you move over into a darker area. It's, it's true human nature to do it. What, you get the nicest car, the newest car, six months later, it's just a car. You don't care. When we bought the first new car we had, our girls were little bitty girls, and McDonald's put crayons in the Happy Meal. And my, one of my daughters, I'd name them, but I don't know which one did it, had a green crayon, put it up in the summer in San Antonio in July, and left it behind the, the headrest up behind the, the, the rear window, and it melted in green puddle. It just melted up there. But here's, here's, the, here's the trick. I went to every detail shop in the world to get it fixed, to stain it, to get it out. We got it better, but not perfect. And as upset as I was, six months later, you could find crayons in the floor. You could find old French fries in the back seat. I didn't care. Didn't care. Somebody dinged the door. I don't care. I don't care. You can, tell, you can tell when a man gets a new car, because uh, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll carry—what was it? You can tell when a man got a new car, he'll, he'll open the door for his wife or something. Yeah, he don't want her to slam it. When my girls get in, they slam the door, and I'm just thinking, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break. Something's going to fall off. I say, don't slam it. Go clunk. Just pull it. Oh. I, I, just, I messed up that, how do you know you have a new car? I don't know. I heard that sometime, and I forgot it, Jim. Figure, Google it for me. I'm going to ask Siri where it is. I don't remember what it was. So in church, you hear a message that the world doesn't revolve around me, that this is my Father's world. So what we sing, the messages that we hear, you treat people with respect and with dignity, 
as part of worship. You're reminded that you are significant. You are a treasure. God has plans for you. Church reminds you that God has a purpose for every human being in the world, that everybody is important, that matters to Him. It's where honesty, justice, love, joy, peace, and patience are instilled in you, which is part of if the Creator made me and He's righteous and just and fair, I ought to be righteous and just in my dealings. I can remember coming, I remember I, when I imported cars from Germany, I imported for, imported for a wealthy businessman in Dallas, Texas, who was a James Robinson supporter, a Mercedes SL, fire engine red, gorgeous. And I ordered it right out of Stuttgart. It came on Lufthansa. My agent in Berlin, when it came off of that truck and I looked at it, it had 3,000 miles on it. I nearly died. It's a brand new car. It looked like it was on the showroom floor. When I took it down to the—this is 35 years ago—when I took it down to the, the mechanic and, and told him, he said, well, Rick, for $145, I can put a new speedometer in it as good as new. This looks like it was on a showroom floor. He said, and nobody would even know. But in my head, I said, I'll know. And I, okay, but now I'm not that virtuous. I want you to know I entertained that thought. I knew I wasn't going to do it, but I knew I'm going to let it run around a little bit. And I just thought about it because I also called Mercedes of North America and said, with 3,000 miles, how much do you deduct from the value of that car? And it was thousands of dollars, which meant I had to eat it. I couldn't get, I couldn't do something legal because of it's international. I just was stuck or I could lie. But I was worshiping God when I said, I'll eat the sucker, and learned a big, valuable lesson. And I ate it, and he got the discount, and he was happy. But all my life, I've looked back on that test to think, if I'd have failed on that small test, I might fail on a bigger test somewhere else. But that's a form of worship. I mean, forget this, if you're going to cheat. You know, you, if, you, if you do something and it's not right, you go back and fix it at your own expense. You say, well, I'm, that, that's going to cost me money, and I didn't bill him for that. Yeah, but it's your fault. That's worship. Eat it. <laughs> Suck it up. Learn a good lesson. And people will do business with you regularly. You don't cheat, and you don't defraud. You don't patronize. You don't shout and scream at employees. I tweeted yesterday, pastors, and I've watched them do it, and employers who scream and shout at employees ought to be thrown head first through a plate glass window. You're not a leader. You're a tyrant. If somebody's that bad, then you just simply fire them. But uh, you, the leader's always in control. If he's out of control, you're not a leader. So the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. Well, I just couldn't help myself. Oh, shut up. You could help yourself. You didn't want to. Okay. I'm getting a real big, getting a real big response. So, in my humble opinion, the most important decision I make every week is coming to church and assembling together. I'm not saying don't go on vacation or nonsense. Have a good time. But this is my priority, and it's every single week. And it retunes me and repositions me to what's important in life. So our challenge this week is to commit to coming to a weekly worship at least for the rest of this series, which means three more weeks. How many of you know, really, this is not that hard? You can do this? You got up with a time change. You can do this. And it was dark when we got up. And I didn't want to get up either. And I'm the leader. I just wanted coffee. Anybody but me get some coffee this morning? And then it's cold, 10 degrees colder. And rain. 
but I wasn't missing getting with you and having fun today. And so thank you that you've made this effort. So it's an experiment to see if you feel like your life is a little better because you've been refueled by God doing what he asked you to do by meeting every Sunday. Are you reflecting well on your creator? Bobby Davis, who owns a commercial plumbing company, uh, is on our team and uh, here today. He was upstairs in the sewer working on a stopped-up toilet on the other end of the building uh, that has been manufactured wrong using his God-given gift and ability to serve you, the people who might use the upstairs uh, area restroom, of finding out where that nasty thing is messed up and why. I told him, that's worship. You were doing what God created you to do. You're a plumbing master. You are worshiping God with that gift. That's what you do. Sure you are. When you help your children with homework, when you take them to something enriching, when you enforce a value, you're worshiping. You're, you're, you're giving glory to the Creator who made you. You're reflecting well on the one who made you. You know, before you engage in anything, ask yourself, am I reflecting well on my Creator? Am I doing at least as good a job as Apple? Am I at least as good as my iPhone to the one who made me and saved me? So do what Romans 12.1 says to do in the Message Bible. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, as an act of worship. And how do you do that? Well, I'm going to show you. In the book of Romans, the first 12 chapters, the Apostle Paul says in the first chapter, he describes all God's done for us, how we weren't doing that good, how God sent His Son Jesus to save us and deliver us. Romans 3 says salvation through Jesus is a free gift. Romans 4 says you can receive the gift by faith. Romans 5 through 7 describes the freedom you get when you become part of God's family. For 11 and a half chapters, Paul expresses the amazing things God does for his followers. In verse 36, he describes who God is. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's unsearchable. His judgments, his past are past finding out. And then in 12.1, he says this, so therefore, because of this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. So Paul says, based on the mercy of God, and based on that mercy and grace poured out on me and you, because of who he is and what he's done, there's only one logical response. He says, in view of all that God is and God has done, my logical response is to worship him. I present my body as a living sacrifice to God. Back in, Ju in Jesus' day, the Jews worshiped God by killing an animal, slitting its throat, shedding its blood. It was a dead sacrifice for sin. But our once-for-all sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God, died once for all and paid our penalty. So God says, I don't want you dead. I want you a living sacrifice for me, holy and acceptable to God. So we're walking around sacrifices that give God honor and glory all day. Some people think worship just takes place on Sunday. Nonsense. That's important. But from God's perspective, this is an everyday thing. Worship, and I close with it, worship is a verb, not a noun. It's a noun describes what? Person, place, or thing. No, it's not worship. It's a verb. And a verb describes an action you do with every breath you take. 
like my iPhone gives Apple glory by doing what it does well. You give God glory by doing everything you do well. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you give God glory by saying, thank you, Lord, I woke up. And once you get our age, you'll be glad. You'll say, thank you, Jesus, for another day to have life. When you get in your car, you can give God glory by how you drive to work, the attitude you maintain toward drivers around you. When the car next to you cuts you off, well, you can give God glory or a hand signal, whatever you, it's up to you. At work, you can give God glory by working hard, or you can drain off a little glory and slack off and do some get-by shoddy work. If you're a student, you can give God glory as a believer, a young person, honoring your teacher, attacking that homework, or you can kind of slide off the altar of worship with an attitude and do your own thing. If you're in sports or extracurricular activity, uh, your intensity, your teachability can be an act of worship or not. Here's how Paul sums it up, Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart, as if you were working for the Lord and not for a person. That means if I'm driving nails and my job is construction, I'm worshiping God and I'm doing it unto the Lord, not my employer. If you're on the staff here at Summit, you're not doing it for Rick or Cindy, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord, because there ain't no husband worthy of it. I thought I'd help you ladies, that's a good amen. You're not doing it because he deserves it, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And so everything we do, it's my work, my craftsmanship, preparing music, teaching a class. Are you prepared or did you just take a peek and sloth by? You give God glory with your excellence. You reflect well on Him. So this week in everything that you do that God's made you to do, do it with excellence. Do it with all your heart as if you did it. If you were making God a latte, it ought to be hot. It ought to be right. If you're, ma- if you're driving nails and you puncture a, 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 a pipe that goes into the home you're framing, you don't just throw sheetrock over it and say, well, it ain't my fault. You didn't glorify God. You were, you were de-glorifying God. You take the hit, you pull it out, you replace the pipe, and you do it as though you're building it. If you were building it for Jesus, you wouldn't do it. So I thought, if you wouldn't do it for Jesus, don't do it to me. If you wouldn't treat Jesus that way, don't treat somebody else that way. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That changed a lot, wouldn't it, if we did that? Investing in my children, loving them, raising them well, teaching them truth are all acts of worship. One more time, Romans 12, 1, Message Bible. Take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering, an act of worship, and that's how you worship. So we do that. You're made to do it. I'm made to do it. God asked you to do it. And in view of who He is and what He's done for us, it's the least we can do on a Saturday or Sunday here at church and during the week in every aspect of our lives. Well, I hope you'll get the 30-Day Challenge workbook. If you haven't, it's in the bookstore, and you'll follow us this week every day with a very brief sip a cup of coffee and read that devotion related to the challenge. If you're not in a small group, I pray you'll go online and get in a connection group. Lots of new people making lots of new friends are happening right now, and I hope you're up for the challenge. So say after me, this week, I'll go deeper in my worship. 
than I have before. I'll give God glory in my work, in my home, in my small group, in my classroom, in all that I do. I will share honestly. I will help my group become a group, and I'll help our church become a great church by showing up next week and worshiping well. Now let's give him a little praise. We can do that. Lord, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.